You are listening to a message from the Living Word community in Center City, Philadelphia. We are followers of Jesus Christ, called to love God and love people, to share Jesus and help people experience true life change that can only come from knowing Him. We hope that you enjoy this message today. Well, I'm kind of like you. Uh, it's just a further confirmation that God is still doing mighty miracles. Uh, I'm as surprised as you were to, to hear that from Ted. Um, <laughs> wow, thanks, Ted. <laughs> I've, I've never had such a compliment like that about my age before coming up. <laughs> So, uh, good morning everyone, both in person and out in Zoom land this morning. Uh, I guess everybody has three changes of clothes ready at home for the the muggy day we're supposed to get today, so uh, get so sweaty on those days, it's, it's, it's more difficult, but thank you, we have air conditioning, Lord, in our church building, and so that we don't have to worry about that yet. We can just focus on the Lord and his word. But we know we have brothers and sisters all over the planet that, you know, live in weather that it, it can be distracting. And yet they worship the Lord too. So uh, we can learn from, you know, s- some of those folks, Brother Charlie and some others that just live in the hottest of places that, um, and, and not necessarily be in air conditioning. Well, let's go to the Lord this morning and see what he wants to speak to us through uh, Matthew's chapter 8 through 14 uh, this morning. Father, we thank you so much that you give us your word. You give us the instruction manual for how to live life on this planet uh, while you have us down here. So, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit will be our teacher today. We ask that you will... Uh, speak through your words and speak through me, Father. Uh, we ask that you would just use sinful flesh even to accomplish your purpose in each of our hearts this morning. Though, so please reveal more of yourself to us. And, Lord, just deepen our walk with you. So we thank you for that. So it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we know God is faithful. So he can... Speak through anybody he wants in any pulpit all over the planet. He can speak through Balaam's donkey where there's no pulpit, or he can speak through anybody that he places in a pulpit. So uh, we just want to have, we want to be in the category of having ears to hear this morning as we've been reading uh, through the book of Matthew as a congregation. So this morning, uh, my goals that I believe the Lord has, has given me for uh, what he's laid in my heart. Um, you're probably not going to hear anything particularly new this morning. So uh, we're trusting that God will take his word and show, show it to us from a new perspective and just deepen it, uh, deepen his word in our heart this morning, that it won't just be intellectual head knowledge. Oh, yeah, I've read that a lot of times before. Oh, yeah, I've heard a lot of messages on that before. Uh, but that the Holy Spirit will quicken his word in our hearts, that it won't just be the logos, the written word, 
that it will be the rhema now word of God that he speaks to our hearts uh, in a situation and that he will just light up his word in our heart this morning. So uh, I believe God wants to, to deepen our walk with him this morning and that we can see more clearly who he really is. That's the beauty of God's word, no matter how many times we've read it, no matter how many years we've been saved. And there are some folks in this church that have uh, been walking with God, like Ted Lewis and Larry Benlin and Lori Benlin, and uh, been walking with God for a lot of years. And yet, when they read the Bible, God still shows them new things from his word. And it might be something you've read a hundred or more times. It's the spirit that has to illuminate his word. As we know, there are university professors in religion departments all over the planet who have deep intellectual knowledge of what's between the two covers, but they might not even know God. So uh, we want to be sure that our heart stays open, that we can hear what God is speaking uh, to us. And the other goal this morning I believe God has is that uh, kind of as a, a prelim before Dave shares a, a kickoff message before we start doing our summer evangelism. And I think he wants to kind of start to ramp it up uh, through what I share today. And, and then Dave will really focus solely on that um, coming up before we do our evangelism. So if you can please turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read a an amazing, familiar, but amazing passage uh, that has temporal application, but certainly eternal application. And we've been singing about it already this morning in a few of the songs. So I'm going to start out, just want to... Uh, highlight two attributes of God that are revealed in Matthew chapter 8 through 14 that we've been that we read this week uh, so it you know should be fresh in each of our minds from the reading um, and these are attributes that obviously he wants to to deepen in our own lives as well as we see that he has this character but he also wants to shine that character through our lives too. So we're going to start reading in verse 3. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. <clears throat> Excuse me. So do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. So we're reading now about humility. That's the first attribute of God that we're going to focus on for a few minutes. So he wants us to have humility of mind toward one another rather than arrogance of mind. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So, you know, we should be trying to eat a healthy diet and you know, do some exercise and get enough sleep and all those sorts of things. So he doesn't say throw out the window your own needs. We have needs and, you know, we're human beings. Most of us in this room, we're, we're adults. You know, there are things that 
as adults, we're responsible for ourselves to do. So there are needs that we do have to look out for ourselves. But he says, don't merely look out for your own personal interests. He's not saying don't look to your personal interests. We have to look to those to be responsible uh, and stay healthy and all those sorts of things, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. And I've heard the, the Greek there is grasped after. Uh, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant, and being made in the likeness of men. So as, as we always highlight at, you know, as we're going through the weeks before Resurrection Sunday and we focus on that and then the culminate it with the seven words of Christ on the cross at Good Friday and, you know, we really meditate heavily uh, and hopefully more deeply on what Jesus went through for us and to think that the God that can create you know, we look up on the sky, we see that little moon up there. Sometimes it's smaller or bigger uh, in view than, than other times. He created a moon that we can see, an earth for us to walk around on with an atmosphere that, you know, we know global warming and all that, but we can still breathe so far, and an earth that we can walk around on and live in. Um, as we know, the, if you go to Saturn... You know, we can't just take a rocket ship to Saturn and jump out and say, oh, here I am. Let's put a flag in the ground. And uh, the atmosphere is a little different in, on Saturn. So he created an Earth with a proper atmosphere for us. And as we know, he created a sun. He created a galaxy. Scientists say he created, well, <laughs> some of them don't say he created, some, some do, but there are billions of galaxies. The universe, so far known by man and with this new telescope that they've invented, uh, billions of light years across. So that's 186,000 miles per second. In a year, how many seconds is that? How many miles is that? You can get your calculator out at home if you want, but that's, that's a long ways. That's our God. He created it all, and it's all contained inside of who he is. He's bigger than his universe. That just happens to be what he created in all the black holes and everything else. Our God is beyond our comprehension. You know, try to think of infinity think, okay, well, you know, billions of miles across, and then there's billions more miles, and then there's billions more miles. Wow, God, like, I, I can't even fathom it. That's our God. And then our God creates these little teeny-weeny ants, these little ant humans, us, that are so teeny-weeny little, you know, it's like an electron on an Adam or something were so small compared to the vastness 
of an infinite God. That's the God that we serve. And he sent himself down in human form. God the Son humbled himself to come as one of these little teeny-weeny little ants limited by the environment, limited with all the human limits. Jesus got hungry. Jesus got fatigued. Um, you know, Jesus had to use the bathroom and everything else like any other human. Now, thankfully, he got to flow in the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit, uh, all of them, but physically, he was 100% man in addition to, so he limited, when God the Father sent his son, he limited what Jesus could do on this earth because he was a human, even though he was 100% God as well. That's why Jesus said, greater works than these will you do. In other words, it won't just be me doing them. It'll be the whole body of Christ, not just me, because Jesus limited himself to being one place at one time when he walked around down here. Obviously, when he was resurrected and gone to heaven, you know, we know God is omniscient. God is everywhere, but, you know, all over his universe and beyond. But Jesus came as 100% man. God humbled himself and, and then came. He didn't come as the mighty reigning king. You know, he didn't come as a Putin who's going to say, okay, let's invade this country and we're going to overcome it. And, you know, like military leaders all through the history of the planet. Um, Jesus didn't come that way. He came to serve. The Son of Man also came not to be served, but to serve. That's mind-boggling. 100% God, and he came to serve. Wow, Lord, that's humility. And then in verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, and as we know, death on an excruciating cross after going through excruciating pain to get to that cross. That's humility. For this reason also, God highly exalted him, as we've been singing this morning, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven on earth and under the earth, you know, even in Sheol, and that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So that's, this is the, like, just amazing passage that God gives to us. And there, obviously there are other passages that show his humility, but the Almighty God first would come as a human, one of these little teeny-weeny little ant humans, and choose to die an excruciating death on a cross. And as we know, it was even more than that. Paul didn't go into all the details in this one passage. We know that he became sin. He who knew no sin, Second um, Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf 
so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. More humility. The holy, sinless God allowed himself to become sin for a short time, thankfully. And then he was, God the Father raised him up from the dead by the power of the Spirit. But it just shows the humility of God. That's the depth of the humility he has and that he demonstrated and that he wants us to have when we do outreach. Not only summer outreach, but 365 or leap year 66 day outreach, that our lives will be an outreach, whether it's visible or whether it's uh, speaking orally, uh, all the outreach that our life is to our neighbors, to, you know, co-workers and whatnot. And I'll give you a quick example. I'm, there are, everybody here is an example, but I, I have the privilege of during the day, certain days of the week when I'm at, at work at Temple, there's this other professor named Jeff Garris who exemplifies that. I see it in the workplace. He demonstrates humility. And, I mean, Jeff was a nice guy. When I started working there, he, he wasn't a believer yet. He was a really nice guy. He reached out to me to help me along as a, as a new, you know, employee and everything. But, wow, once Jeff came to the Lord, multiply that times 100, and Je his life is an outreach where, wherever he goes. And I know all of us, uh, God uses us in, in that same way. I just have a sneak preview of getting to watch Jeff in action at, at work, right in the workplace. Okay. Okay, the second quality um, that is shown uh, through Jesus' life, and as we saw him minister you know, and going and serving instead of having everybody gather around and serve him. He went and healed the sick. He fed the 5,000 men plus all the women and children. I mean, all his ministering day after day after day just demonstrated his humility. All those crowds, they should have been serving Jesus, and yet he was there serving them. So we see it in the life of Jesus and the second attribute, compassion. We've been reading in, in some passages, uh, chapter 14 and chapter 15, says that Jesus felt compassion for the crowds, fed the 5,000 plus. Uh, compassion so he healed the sick. He didn't just minister out of obligation or minister out of coercion or minister out of pride, hey, baby, look at me. I can heal the sick. Hey. He didn't minister with that kind of spirit. There wasn't a bone of arrogance, as we know, in Jesus. He ministered out of compassion. He had such a heart for the lost, for those that needed him. And we're going to look at uh, a few passages. So we know, all of us know John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave, so he gave his only begotten son, but we know the, the verse after 16, 
is 17. And that one says, for God sent his son, okay, uh, into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. So the Father sent Jesus down out of his compassion for us. He so loved the world, he sent him to save us, to rescue us from an eternity, as Carl talked about last week, an eternity uh, of hell. You know, the Bible talks about Gehenna, talks about the lake of fire in Revelation. Um, we know that's, that's as real as heaven. And God doesn't want people to go there, but people make choices. And um, so God, God sent Jesus out of his compassion. He so loved the world, as, as we know, through memorizing it. But it's easy to only know it as slide into only knowing it as head knowledge. But we need to have that on the, right on the tip of our hearts as we're ministering in, in evangelism uh, when we do the outreach. And we know uh, that Jesus went town to town. Sometimes he stayed longer, sometimes shorter. Um, but he got to, you know, all these different towns to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And in 1 John 2, 6, it says, He who says he abides in him, John said, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, we know that Jesus prayed, right? When did Jesus pray? What time of day? I mean, he's ministering to the crowds all the time and with his disciples when he's not with the crowds. And when on earth could Jesus find, you know, squeeze in time to pray with his busy ministry schedule? Anybody? Night? Sometimes day? Got up early in the morning? Okay, but there were other times that it mentions he, he slipped away from, you know, he sent the disciples ahead and slipped away to pray and, and then go meet up with his disciples walking on the water. Um, he was creative in his schedule, but the bottom line was Jesus prayed, even with a busy schedule. And then he went and just ministered and ministered and ministered. Now, I know that particularly that all the moms represented here, um, you know quite a bit about inconvenient schedules, right? Moms, we just celebrated Mother's Day recently. Okay, you, you know, you have your schedule, you know, there's work and kids go to school at certain times and all, all these things, you know, you have your, your routine, but doggone it, if the kid doesn't get sick one day or some reason they, you know, and then you have a doctor's appointment and all these different things. Um, moms particularly know about inconvenient schedules. Okay, now I think all of us know about inconvenient schedules. Things come up that weren't planned. It's like, Lord, how, how are we going to fit this in here? Um, Jesus had a really inconvenient schedule, and yet he still had compassion. Day after day, morning, noon, night. You know, they're even dropping people through the ceiling for him to minister to. It's like, man, don't I get a break? You know, 
His, his mother and his brothers were there. Man, they couldn't even get near him. There were so many people to minister to. And yet, he just kept ministering out of compassion, compassion for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And God wants us to have that same compassion for the lost. These are people, as Carl said, every one of us was uh, ready for the down elevator, essentially. You know, all of us would have ended up in hell if God in his mercy didn't reveal himself to each of us by his word and by the Holy Spirit revealing himself to our own heart that we would receive the Lord Jesus and walk in him. So we know God wants to use us just as he used other people in our lives to draw us and bring us to himself. Obviously, he wants to continue to use each of us and all of us have been used but he wants to even deepen our heart for the lost. Have a question for you. If you're coming off the Broad Street line and you, and you come up uh, out of, you know, from underground up on Broad Street or if you're driving up or down Broad Street at certain times, uh, you ever have a, a band of motorcycles and three-wheelers uh, riding behind you and then passing you and cutting in front of you and Guys standing on their motorcycles with the, you know, doing a wheelie while they're still standing up. And I mean, man, those guys are talented. They are really talented. You know, they, they should have been acrobats in the circus, some of them. Um, and they're bold. Man, how bold are they with what they do? You know, and the police can't do much because a thousand people would get killed in crashes and stuff if they tried to, to try to run them run them all down so they, they just do what they want in psalm 2 we know it says you know tear off their fetters you know shaking a finger at god like we don't care what you say god you know i'm gonna run my life and that's just an example i mean we do the same every time if, if we choose to sin we're doing the same thing just isn't magnified the same way but uh, God laid that on my heart a long time ago. The, the things you want change the most and the things that are staring you in the face like, you know, motorcycles going by and three-wheelers and all that and loud. I mean, my hearing isn't as good as it used to be, but it still seems to be pretty good for the, the motorcycles. Um, God put it in my heart to pray for them. Those, all those guys would be like Peter, they would have boldness when, it, when they get, one of them gets saved and then goes back to their motorcycle buddies. Wow, I mean, what a powerful testimony they would have. What a changed life that would be. So, <clears throat> you know, we need to pray for the pockets of, of society, of humanity that's around us, and especially the part that we might find the most distasteful, you know, their lifestyle or things that they do or whatever then that's a burden God's given us. So we have a responsibility then to follow up in prayer. And that's where Jesus' heart for the lost, Jesus prayed. And so God, he wants us to pray for all parts of society because uh, it says he desires that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, Paul said in 1 Timothy 2. So Lord, may May you do it through each one of us. 
may we pray and then, and then be available for whatever outreach he wants us to do. Okay, uh, if you can turn with me to um, Matthew chapter 9. Excuse me. Actually, no, let's, I'm sorry. Uh, let's start with Matthew um, chapter 10, 25 through 27. Okay, Matthew 10, 25 through 27. I'm sorry, it's 11. Just kidding. Uh, 11, 25 through 27. Sorry about that. <clears throat> so it says, At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. After the disciples um, <clears throat> had come back from ministering and all, um, <clears throat> says, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them, <clears throat> excuse me, from inf to infants or other translations to babes. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So God hides these things from the wise and the intelligent. We know the, you know, the Pharisees, they were well-educated and schooled in the law and all that, and, you know, the scribes and the religious system of that day. They, they had uh, an intellect, but they didn't have a heart. Okay, they, they were not, as we know, they were tearing off God's fetters, and they were not submitting their heart to the living God. The crowds, at least, and not everybody in the crowd necessarily got saved, but the crowds would come to listen to Jesus. Now, it's said they also liked a meal now and then as well. Um, one of the Gospels said, you know, people that he fed, that some were just, they were just there for the meal. But, and it's just like on Saturday mornings. Some people, they start just coming for the meal, and then they tell us, I came for the meal at first, but wow, now I, I really want to hear the Word of God. And so God does that. Uh, he did that in each of our hearts. Um, and so he, he hid it from the wise and intelligent and revealed it to those who society might say isn't, you know, is hot shot and important and all that from, you know, man's perspective and God's perspective, very important people. And then following that in 28, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So the crowds were weary and heavy laden. It said that the crowds were distressed and dispirited back in chapter 9 that we, that we read this week, like sheep without a shepherd. Man, they were weary. Their souls were weary. 
they were empty inside. They were poor in spirit, and they knew there was this emptiness. So Jesus is saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Oh, that's Dave's been teaching from James. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. We have to submit to the yoke of God in our life. He said, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Jesus is declaring to us, I am humble in heart. In other words, I'm not going to trample on you. I am not going to, uh, how do you want to say, disrespect and uh, pour out retribution on you uh, because you're a human being and you've sinned. So, uh, no, he said, I am gentle and humble in heart. In other words, Jesus is humble and compassionate, that we can trust him with our heart. He's not going to destroy our heart. We know there are many wives and husbands and whatnot, or even people with a friend you kind of entrust you know, your heart to, to a friend, you open up and whatnot, and friends can betray us. I mean, Jesus' own covenant brother, Judas, ended up betraying him. Judas was at the Last Supper. He took the covenant meal with Jesus, and yet he betrayed Jesus. Humans can betray us, but God, G Jesus said, I, I'm different. I'm different than you humans. I am gentle and humble in heart. In other words, you can entrust your heart to me. So he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now we know that doesn't mean we're not going to have persecution. That doesn't mean our life's going to be easy. But he gives us his supernatural peace. He gives us his joy in our heart, even when circumstances are hard. We get to experience all the fruit of the Spirit that the men's ministry had been focusing on recently this, this year. Um, he gives us the fruit of the Spirit. He gives us the relationship with Him to go through, whether it's easy times or hard times. And we know there are, there's a persecuted church out there, um, people, as we know, going through unbelievable physical pain uh, and emotional pain, families separated, everything else, for the gospel. But we know that God is with each one and reveals himself even more deeply, such that Jesus said, rejoice, dance, and rejoice if, you know, when you're persecuted, because <clears throat> great is your reward in heaven. Now, who did Jesus, with this heart of, with his humility and heart of compassion, how else is this demonstrated? Well, when it talks about his disciples in chapter 10, it's uh, Matthew chapter 10, 2 through 4. It doesn't tell us a lot about the lives of each of the disciples. We, it, God shows us a little bit about a few of the disciples. Um, but if you read down the list, um, I'm not going to take time to, to read all of them, but we know that Matthew was a tax collector. Mm, they made some buckos, right? Okay, and extorted. They took what they should have taken and, and then, you know, took a lot more as well. Uh, they took a lot of 
abuse to, to get to all that money, but the tax collectors, they made a lot of money. But Matthew is the only one in the list that God made it clear made a lot of money. We know that at least four of them were fishermen, and it doesn't tell us about any of the others. But at the same time, whereas it doesn't say they were necessarily financially poor, but it doesn't say they were rich, you know, except for Matthew, because that, that was his profession as a tax collector. And it doesn't, it doesn't say that any of them had great power or uh, great reputations or anything else. They were, you know, just average folk like us. And, and, and Jesus demonstrated that these are the people he's going to pour himself into during his three years of ministry of disciple-making, that they're just going to be generally regular folk. That's the humility and the compassion of Jesus. So he wants us to have that same compassion. And we also know um, that Jesus... Uh, in chapter 9, w- with the calling of Matthew that we read, um, Matthew 9, 9 through 13, we know it also, he was accused and, and ate with not only the tax gatherers who were thieves, basically, stealing from all of the Israelites and keeping a lot of the money and then giving what they needed to to Rome, that, and also sinners, you know, prostitutes and all kind of people that visibly in in the outward appearance, it was obvious that they were living in sin. You know, we all sin, but it may not be so obvious, okay? But those folks, it was obvious, okay? And they didn't do it in secret. And those are the ones that Jesus was reaching out to, okay? He didn't, it doesn't say that Jesus went out of his way to reach out and minister to the Pharisees. Well, how did he get so many exchanges then, verbal exchanges with the Pharisees? How did he get to talk to the Pharisees so much if Jesus never says that Jesus was seeking out and reaching out to the Pharisees? Well, obviously, they came to him to try to trip him up and try to find something wrong with him that they could accuse him and put him to death. They wanted him out of there, as we know, and they finally did, physically. But he didn't have to go seek them out. So who did he seek out? Tax gatherers and sinners. He sought out the crowds. You know, the crowds came to him as well, but he made himself available to the crowds. Now, when we share the gospel and we go th- even go through our daily lives of, of reaching out, to unbelievers, Jesus didn't say that we're to be, as, as the expression over the years is used oftentimes, a doormat. Okay, he didn't expect people to just walk on us. Did anybody walk on Jesus? <laughs> no, not until he allowed them to nail him to a cross. Jesus said to be what? Wise as serpents, innocent as doves, right? Jesus clearly demonstrated that in his outreach. With those Pharisees, he was wise. He was shrewd. 
he would ask them questions, or if they asked you know, him a question, he'd return it with a question sometimes. Jesus never let the Pharisees put one over on him. He spoke truth to them. They could get saved. Some of them did, you know, Nicodemus, whatnot. So, and some of the rich got saved. Joseph of Arimathea, okay? They could get saved too if their hearts were open. Problem was most of them, their hearts weren't open as we know. So we're going to run into people that are, are going to be hard to deal with. And it doesn't mean we get into a fist fight with them or anything, but still with a heart of humility, there are times we just have to, you know, agree to disagree and, you know, that's the way it is. But, but Jesus said to be wise when we're <clears throat> living our daily life around unbelievers and when we're you know, when we're doing outreach, and to be innocent as doves. So <clears throat> we, we need to, <clears throat> excuse me, so, some of us are more natural at, at one of those than the other. Okay, my father-in-law uh, was very, was excellent. I mean, he, he obviously showed both, very much so. But the one that came most natural to him was being wise and shrewd uh, when need be. Uh, Jesus showed, Jesus, because he was God, was natural at both. Uh, see here. Okay, we're going to end with um, Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, 12, verses 18 through 21. Matthew chapter 12. 18 through 21. So Jesus was talking to the Pharisees uh, for a little bit, and then he quoted Isaiah the prophet. He said, behold my servant. And then he, after dealing with the Pharisees, he ministered and said he, he healed more people. He said, behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. Now, obviously, that's referring directly to Jesus, but that also, we're included in that too. And we know God has called us said, I will put my spirit upon him. And we know the day of Pentecost, God put his spirit in believers, in the church. So as we know, that's us. We're included in this. It says, he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Now, who did the Jews hang around Whose houses did the Jews go into? Fellow Jews, right? That was it. They were limited. You know, don't mix with those filthy Gentiles, okay? <clears throat> but God gave a sneak preview, not only in some of the prophets, but we know that in the genealogy, there were some Gentiles in there. Rahab the harlot was in there, right? And... Oh, my mind's drawing a blank. Ruth is, is in the genealogy. 
So God already made it clear, I'm taking in the Gentiles too. So how does this apply to us in our outreach? Well, when God uses us, sometimes it's going to be people that are like us. And sometimes it's going to be people who are not like us, who are really different from us. Wow. But God wants us to have the same compassion for everybody. He wants us to have the same humility, whether it's somebody who's like us or somebody very different from us, whether it's the color of our skin, whether it's the personality, whether it's certain sins that people might be involved in, whatever it is, um, when we're out doing outreach, we don't know who God might send our way. Um, and if our hearts are open and if we have that compassion and humility, God can use us to lead people to himself who might be so different than us. Isn't that cool? God can use us to reach anybody that he wants. So in verse 19, Jesus continues from Isaiah. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. He's talking about his humility. A battered reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not put out until he leads justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Isaiah was proclaiming 700 years before Jesus ever came to reach out to everybody that he was going to do that. The Gentiles would be included. So not only the church, the Old Testament church of Jews, God was already saying, I'm going to include everybody, even people that aren't like the Jews at all. I'm going to save them too. So let's just pray. And let's ask God to do that work in our hearts, a deeper work. All of us have been used by God numerous times. All of us have reached out in our neighborhood and, and, and on evangelism events numerous times. But let's ask God to take it deeper this year. Let's do something, God, do something new in my heart that the power of the Spirit will be revealed in me in new and amazing ways, Lord, that you can use me in ways greater than ever before. Father, we thank you that you show us in your word you can even use sinful flesh. Lord, you can use each of us with our weaknesses. Lord, the sins that we struggle with, you can use every one of us. You can use anybody, Lord, whose heart is open to you. We ask, Father, that you will deepen our our passion, our heart for the lost. Lord, those who don't agree with John 14, 6 that Carl mentioned, that you are the way and the truth and the life. Nobody can come to the Father but through you. Lord, use us <clears throat> to lead people. 
Lord, who didn't believe that before, but that your Holy Spirit reveals it to them and that they will come to you as well to live with you for eternity. And Lord, give us a deeper humility. Lord, you said that we did not choose you, you chose us. Lord, we cannot brag that we're saved. Lord, it was your mercy, it was your grace that we're saved. And we thank you, we're so appreciative, Father, that you revealed yourself to us to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Father, thank you so much. We know that we never deserved it, but you did it. So, Lord, use us to lead multitudes to yourself. And, Lord, just deepen your compassion and, and your heart for the lost in our own hearts. Use us, Lord, to your glory. And we thank you because we know it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.